course, with the Storytime tier for 3 euros a month, you can get the original story, The Shadow Crown, by our Thane, Joshua Fortini, Child of Ash 420, we all know him, we all love him, uh, on to the Bronze tier, which will get your username placed in the credits, and you will get access to the full podcast. A silver tier will get your name mentioned, including the previous benefits of username full podcast. And then we have a VIP patron. It's 25 euros a month, and we will mention you at the beginning of our show, of course, as one of our top sponsors uh, with all the previous benefits, of course. And if you have any suggestions for a next topic on the podcast, that takes preference and we will dive into it and create a good show out of it. So uh, those are our tiers on Patreon. If you want to support us, go there again. That is patreon.com forward slash Gregor Pagans. Storytime, bronze tier, silver tier, VIP patron if you want to support us further thank you very much for listening thank you very much for all the support and until the next podcast thank you see ya This Ragnarok, are these the end times? Are we living in the Kaliyuga? Are we living through revelations? Find out now on Ragnarok episode 4. Welcome everyone to the Greyhorn Pagans Podcast. Gentlemen, welcome back to the Greyhorn Pagans podcast. We are on Ragnarok and the End Times episode four. Yes, this is the fourth episode. I know there is just so much to talk about. A smaller audience this time. We have three people here, myself included, and we are currently live on YouTube as well, where we have three people now listening and watching um giving us tips and things to talk about so welcome for ragnarok episode four uh i'm here with light elf and joshua the branch the other joshua couldn't make it of course so i guess this would be the first episode we're doing without him so quick introduction and get on with the uh with the podcast we already made some made some notes we already discussed a few things and we're just gonna continue on that so light elf second time here welcome yeah 
Thank you yeah, for joining I'm, us. Uh, I'm glad to be here. Uh, and I live up to my name because I'm the light <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, geez, that's that's bright. That's a nice uh, tiara. Yeah, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, the light of a light elf is said to be brighter than the sun. Uh, and why is that? Uh, perhaps it's a spiritual light. <clears throat> uh, I, I'm a writer, so this is uh, the one book I've published. So, <clears throat> Can you read the title of that, please? Yeah, um, uh, The One That Is To Awaken. Uh, it's historical uh, fantasy. Interesting. Yeah. Where's the book available? Uh, you'll get it on uh, Lulu still. You do, but it's only in the region, unfortunately. Uh, mm. I, bl- I believe we have some Norwegian listeners, or or that's that's you. I don't know. Um, yeah. But I'll uh, uh, I'll put it in the links. Uh, I'll, I'll use um, this is very old, but uh, I'll use an example of. Uh, what I do, if you can see here, uh, this is an example of Dadaism. So the hero is like shooting an arrow, and you represent that in the text, if you can see. Oh, yeah. I yeah. like that a lot. Yeah, so it's an attempt to be creative in certain, certain ways. And I just find this and here, like the hero is striking. Uh, Robert Greene does something of the same, just. Oh. But much okay. more uh, elaborate in a sense. That's yeah. really cool, man. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah. So uh, the book is set in ancient Sumeria, uh, and they have this creation myth, which I reiterate. Uh, it's, uh, as you know, or perhaps some of you know, there are two classes of gods, the Anunnaki and the Igigi. Uh, uh, and they're from the planet of Nibiru. And uh, yeah, uh, the Anunnaki are like very reptilian-like and the Igigi are very bird-like. And the lesser gods, the Igigi, they they don't want to work. So they demand uh, humankind to be created so that they can have uh, slaves. So that's how we came to be. Um, and you based your story on the uh, <clears throat> on the uh, creation myth. Yeah, basically, or uh, I dramatize uh, that story so there's a human uh, drama. Of course, gotta have some, yeah. gotta have some drama, especially with humans. There's always drama. <laughs> sure. But yeah, no, awesome, uh, and um, really, uh, really cool to have a uh, a published writer. Yeah, um, I, I was very lucky, and it's very hard to be uh, be a writer, uh, especially in this day and age. Uh, I've been a writer for many, many years. I've done a lot of things, uh, gone through many phases. Uh, but I do hope to have further successes down the road, of course. Uh, but oh. <laughs> most of the stuff I do is in Norwegian, uh, and I do have a homepage. But it's a bit, what can I say? I have this blog where I write a lot of frustration notes. So I, I'm, I don't know. 
if uh, I should share it. That's that's okay. You can you can always promote your stuff here and in the um, in the Minds Group or Telegram or uh, wherever. You know, you're you're always <clears throat> always welcome to. So. Uh, other than that, uh, I'll just quickly mention I have um, the Light Elf channel on YouTube uh, and also on Odyssey, uh, where I do uh, for the most part uh, now at least um, video poetry. So I put together uh, music, living pictures, and uh, vo a voice. Uh, yeah, so. Could I or should I mention something else? There's, oh, no. there's, this, uh, there, there's this other book. <laughs> um, I, I've been going to the library studies and I've been a librarian at one point in my life. Uh, and this is a very important term, remed remediation. Uh, th that's basically what I do when it comes to uh, multimedia. Uh, it basically means you reassemble uh, different sorts of media. So. In its oldest form, it's like taking a statue from one temple and moving it to the next, and then uh, the statue will be in an entirely new context. And you can also um, imagine if you take movie clips and put new sort of music to it, or you recombine them in some way. Uh, so that's often what I do. Uh, you, give, I, you give them a new meaning, a new context. Yeah. I actually have... Uh, another channel uh, called Female Beauty, which is about <laughs> old, older um, older, uh, older stars, if that's possible to say, like there's a bit of glamour. So I'm not focusing on um, uh, Kate Perry or yeah, the new celebrities. I'm a real big fan of this dancing group called Pants People, who, who were big in the 70s. Uh, and, and I take their material and put new music on it. Oh, was was that the uh, the one you posted on the on the Minds group? Yeah, yeah, I believe so. That's that's one example of that. Uh, oh, I really like that one. Yeah, uh, I take take it that way. I mean, I know that people will like certain things, so I try to play it. Them, that's like an artist thing. So yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, it's. Uh, so I have many fancies and I do a lot of things. <laughs> and and basically I should perhaps try to focus more, but it's very hard. So yeah. A, a jack of all That's... trades. No, I'm really not. Uh, I'm just spreading my energy. <laughs> really really I'm a, a really I'm a specialist. I'm only good at the things a certain few things I do. But um, yeah. And it's it's easier to do the easy things than the hard, hard ones. That's uh, why they're easy. Often, yeah, often that for many people. So, yeah. But but perhaps I'll find a better balance now because, uh, amongst other, I, I've had a political channel which I uh, ended. Uh, I basically ended it uh, one day ago uh, because it took up too much energy uh, and I'm not really a political com commentator. So. Politics will do that. It sucks up a lot of your energy. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, thank you for this um, elaborate <laughs> introduction. Uh, it's a, uh, you finally uh, kind of found your voice. Then over to our second guest. Uh, we have at least 
one Joshua with us at the moment, uh, Mr. Branch. You've been here before. You've come with a lot of good stuff. So introduce yourself, reintroduce yourself to the to the good people. Let them uh, let them know what's up. Let them know where they can where they can find you. What you have going on. Hey, Nord and Nordises. I just flew in from Asgard, and boy, are my arms tired. So anyway, uh, I just, uh, you can find me on Telegram, um, just the branch on there. I got a YouTube channel that I'm trying to start, name the branch, 33thebranch01. Um, I haven't really did any videos on there yet, though, so, you know. I do a lot with others, though. Uh, you can also find me on Abby Someone's channel. We sometimes do weekly Bible study, uh, news topics, you know, end of times, Ragnarok, Revelation style um, stuff. So if you're looking to get scared this, <laughs> this season, tune in to the Solomon Report because it probably will scare you. Um, well, it is the scary season after all. Yeah. So uh, we don't even really have to do anything but tell the truth to, to accomplish that, it seems. But um, the truth can yeah. be quite scary. Yeah. So, yeah, this uh, I think might be the third time um, I've joined you, perhaps second or third. So thanks again for oh the second because this is the fourth right so yeah yeah thanks for having me back um this is my favorite thing to talk about so you know to have a an opportunity to talk exclusively about the end of the the world or end of the age hey that to me is like a dream come true so are you uh guys ready to ragnarok and roll oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes yes we sure are thank you thank you Brad, i did have some comments for you you fell out oh you... sorry i was pressing the space bar to talk and i lifted it up <laughs> uh so i had a couple of comments there um after light elf's introduction i i wanted to mention so that um headlamp reminded me of how the the what the orthodox church calls the uncreated light which is the halo and so when your pineal gland activates, that's the crown chakra, and it's supposed to emit like this piezoelectric ring or light. And that reminded me of the Tuatha Danan artifacts. Uh, there's a sword of irresistible light and also a stone that when a true king steps on it, it sings, which reminds me of like the sword and the stone of King Arthur so on and so forth but with the pineal gland being the crown chakra i mean that is sovereignty and kingship so i just personally found that headlamp to be really cool and fitting um because we were talking about that kind of thing earlier before we started recording uh, we were also talking about um how our names and um, both our names my real name is uh, uh, has stone in it yeah, as does my so, name. Exactly. We're, yeah, we're both we're both stones. Uh, I used to be a stoner even, but that's that's the other that's the other Josh. He's uh, currently in the in the YouTube chat. He's not uh, not here, unfortunately. Oh, hey um, man, hey Joshua. And that yeah, in this in this uh, avatar up here with the lamb, um, 
the seven seals also refer to like the chakras of the spine and if you note here the lamb actually has um, like a halo of uncreated yeah. light just like it he was wearing on his head with the crown so i think the crowns are meant to represent like our rulers are supposed to be enlightened beings with the crown chakras activated and such and i think what's really happened is like we have people that don't have third eye and crown chakras open but wearing crowns and ruling over us so it's like the materialist it's the giants man <laughs> yeah yeah no that's yeah we, we had so many um we touched into so many subjects before this recording started so yeah uh, uh, but, but i wonder how we can track backtrack into that <laughs> Well, yeah, that's, we took that's notes. Why we ha- that's why we have the notes, indeed, indeed. And you might have um, to just start recording uh, every time and just have like a outtakes version. Yeah, <laughs> because there's always so yeah, much that's in them. that's that's a good one. I'll just I'll I'll rip the video from from YouTube. It's fine. That's that's been live since um, since I got in the uh, since I got here. So, um, but interesting that you mentioned the. Uh, because we went into that on episode three um, and again with with stone there seems to be a lot of significance um, when it comes to stone like um, you know Ar- uh, King Arthur pulling the, the sword out of the stone making him the um, divine king or as I just mentioned to um, to Light Elf before we uh, before we started recording during the uh, the potty break um, <clears throat> and uh, you have of course the um, investment group Blackrock and Blackstone a subsidiary uh, of them yeah. which is which is just it's the um, it's the other side of things that is the uh, the darker side of um, of Ragnarok and uh, you, you have that with just with so many religions um, the the trolls turning into stone um, when exposed to sunlight or um, or just UV light um, Medusa uh, when you gaze into her eyes you'll turn to stone you know, there's there there's such a a big significance to it, um, and with the with the crown and the uh, the crown chakra and the halo, I think it's um, what what came to my mind is, you know, your 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 classic crown, you know, the the pointed crown and whatever, and how I see that, how I relate that is that that are the um, or are supposed to represent the solar rays. So I thought, yeah, that just that just came to mind. And um, speaking of crowns, real, real quick plug, Joshua Fertini, Chalavash420, uh, on our Patreon has a original story, The Shadow Crown. I've been editing it, posting it, scheduling it. It's awesome. He goes into... Um, he takes things from many different cultures and weaves it into a uh, a very cool story. So just wanna wanted to plug that real quick and yeah, onto 
Ragnarok. Uh, first note we have, which we started on, which was really interesting, and I really want to continue on that is um, economics and the uh, the festivals and um, selling on the uh, on the side of the roads because we're seeing a economic decline again, uh, which also seems to happen in cycles. Um, we had like most recently, well, most recently, that's 14 years ago, I feel old, the, um, the 2008 well, crash or depression or how you want to call it. I'm not sure if in between there, uh, there was another one, but that happens uh, that happens a lot too in cycles, uh, cycles of wealth and then horror, um, you know, on both uh, both ends of the of the spectrum, and especially during the um, it's uh, it's another thing with the divide and duality and dualism. Why don't you had some great stuff about that? I'll get to that in a moment. You know, there's there's always this schism going on there's always this divide going on as one uh as one group as one layer of society gets poorer the other gets richer you know especially over the the last couple of years with the whole pandemic we have had several i i don't know how much but several new billionaires like billionaires would be um coming up during you know during a pandemic when the economy basically was shut down or like shut down for a for a large part you know a whole lot of people myself included unfortunately lost our job and had to get by on just odd jobs here and there and, and just a quick, quick note there, and this is also, we talked about centralization of all things, centralization yeah. of internet, but this is also a centralization of wealth. Everything is getting yeah. into this um, harder and harder contraction of wealth. And it's the same pattern when a star dies, it turns into a white dwarf and it collapses into itself. And this is what is happening to our economy, which has been standardized for a very long time and been very been made very universalistic um, yeah, so i mentioned the ship, the ship it, container yeah but isn't it also with the star that first it goes um supernova so it like it expands beyond its limits to um to then after collapse in on itself yep. becoming a white dwarf yeah, I, I think so. Perhaps that that's a supernova expansion. That's like uh, the Empire's phase, like the British Empire when it was at its greatest extent. It wasn't healthy. If you, it's um, when you expand too much, uh, that's uh, that's a true sign of collapse. And many empires have, for instance, expanded into Afghanistan, and it isn't long until they, uh, yeah, take the take the route into ruin yeah uh, and, and and bismarck uh, talked about that um, you need to consolidate your gains so you can't just conquer areas you need to 
yeah, get control, like real control, and that's difficult. There's a thing called nation building. <laughs> yeah. No, and uh, as I'm uh, seeing here in the in the chat, there have been shortages um, of items too. Um, like for example, a couple of years ago, I, I remember this. There was a shortage of baby formula, for example. And um, like I'm, I'm always, uh, I've always been a, a big proponent of just you know breastfeeding and all that. But I get you know baby formula, it's needed. And with wealth, the the same thing uh, you have with with food and you know having to eat. Like there are so many obese people in the world but then like literally on the other side of the world children are starving you know they they don't know today if they'll be able to eat tomorrow and then you have people like here in 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 the west in the, the civilized quote-unquote civilized west like eating themselves to death and i I just, I don't know. I mean, um, obesity is a sign of poverty these days. Like it's a sign of being, yeah, yeah, a lo lo low class. So it's, it's, it's not like it's a lot of empty calories. So it's not like you're eating healthy food. So yeah, it's like quantity but not uh, quality. Uh, but all this is, it, it's our economy is optimized for efficiency and profit because we're all materialists these days but really what you should focus on because oh suddenly we lack something uh, we should prioritize security and that goes at the cost of profit so uh, yeah back in it wasn't long ago where i live that people like like one generation perhaps or one and a half generation that people everyone grew their own vegetables even they, though they didn't have to so they grew potatoes and carrots uh, in their in their back, back garden and and that's so sensible and it's not profitable in any way but uh, no, it's, it's when you need it it's profitable in a different in a different way like not in a um, not in a monetary way but and I, I do think that um, that that is how a lot of people have um, have survived the second world war for example because they had their vegetable gardens they had a little you know, a little bit of livestock you know rabbits chickens whatever wealth. and yeah actual actual wealth yeah and uh you'll, you'll see that in the in the uh the runic alphabet for example too i don't i don't know which one that was exactly uh feu the one that represents both um livestock and wealth because yes. back back then um you know livestock was your wealth Fehu is a correct um yes, I'm just gonna... I think so. which is interesting because in hebrew a is aleph which is the ox so that, yeah in a sense that's similar even though they look different yeah Fehu from the younger futhark yeah. So what's also important, another source of wealth, so to speak, is uh, community. Uh, without that, you have very little. Um, 
my family uh, during World War II was mostly based in Trondheim, so they did not have access to farms. Uh, and my great-grandmother was standing in a food line at one point and uh, she passed out uh, because she was so hungry. Uh, and there was this kind man that said that uh, my quota of milk, she can just have it. But she got a glass of milk and she was okay. And this was uh, a stranger, uh, but there was so much social trust back then that uh, yeah, he, he really helped her. Uh, but we don't have that now, and I think that's really a part of uh, Ragnarok because no amount of wealth can save you when everyone hates each other. Everyone is a brother killer, <laughs> you know. There, there's yeah. no community, no trust. Oh, there is, uh, dude, yeah. that, that is a good one. Like, by, by not trusting each other and literally just hoarding everything for yourself, in a way, you are killing your family you are killing your your brother because you're taking away like his share as well his cut as well and yeah that's 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 a good one like the real wealth is not you know what the, the change you have in your pocket or the the, the numbers in your bank accounts because that's that's like that's all it is numbers and that's why people are so obsessed with money because n- know numbers and, and that, never end and the so all, all the sources about the end times talk about this loss of social cohesion and social trust and every boundary is just broken so yeah you have cousins turning again turning against cousins brother against brother and, and guest is not safe from host i think that's a, a quote uh, and the husband longs for the death of his wife and the wife for the death of a husband. It, yeah. It's really, really terrible. And, and the thing is, we, we can see all that today. Like, love is rare, even between brothers. It's like, yeah, it, it's terrible. And of course, when you have no social trust, when there is uh, uh, a distressing situation, people will turn against each other very, very quickly. So, uh, yeah, and perhaps that's that's. Um, I think we could endure a lot of loss of uh, material wealth because we we do have quite a bit still, but it's the loss of cohesion which is uh, the worst uh, because it also yeah. makes people people very lonely, atomized. Uh, you could, yeah, you could even yeah, you could even relate it to cancel culture. For example, you know, he does something that I don't agree with. Therefore, you know, I am taking everything away from you. I am taking your social media accounts. I am taking your livelihood. I am taking, like literally taking it out on you. Also, in a way, it's a form of tribalism, because if my tribe is stronger than yours, we can crush you, we can take your territory, we can take your livelihood, we can... We were talking about how the internet was like the um, city center, wasn't it? So it's like... Uh, uh, it, it, what did you say? It reflected the real world, but it isn't. But it's still yeah. uh, the place where people meet, so it has those qualities. Um, and it's about the dominance 
ruling the city center if your gang does that you're really strong and then you can allow yourself to do anything and if the rival gang shows up you wreck them yeah uh, and, and when the social trust is gone that's what you do because it's the law of the jungle <laughs> yeah and that's that's again going you know going back to the numbers it's literally a numbers game like online too like the amount of followers you have which is like really kind of creepy if you think about it you know you have followers okay like people follow you what are you a prophet or a, a cult leader no i'm just some dude playing games on the internet and people seem to like it but yeah the the bigger your following uh, especially online like the greater well army you have to for your enemies like how many times will there uh, was was there a creator or just some online influencer who didn't like someone some other influencer or creator and just told their fans like hey i'm not saying go attack this person but you know if you did it would be appreciated i'm not saying you should but eh, you know but that's that's a double-edged sort as well because you have such a big following everybody is well, looking at you and looking at what you do 24-7 and nitpicking it. So they just as easily turn against you as well. You know, cancel culture, like, biting you in the ass, you know, canceling you. And that's, like that's, that's the thing with, you know, with community. Like, we don't take care of each other anymore. You know, that's it's... what ha happened with J.K. Rowling, uh, the writer of Harry Potter. Uh, she is definitely part of the political left, and her, her work, Harry Potter, is uh, follows the um, rebellion narrative from the French Revolution. So it's really a lefty thing. But the left turned on her because she did not follow the orthodoxy to its furthermost extent, which was uh, yeah. embracing. Um, uh, Gender fluidity or uh, yeah, yeah trans tra gender. transgender, gender fluid, something like that. Yeah, and then her, well, her own people, so to speak, turned against her because she didn't follow the narrative. And, and that's that's chaos. That's yeah, everyone turns against each other. And if I can be so honest, I mean, uh, I come from the political right, but. Uh, Everything I want is common sense. It's not like an, I feel like I'm an extremist in any way. But also the political right is plagued by infighting. Everyone turns on each other all the time for the smallest things. Uh, it's, it's really crazy. Uh, and th this is probably a feature of individualism. We have just become in individuals which are free from any sort of community or responsibility or meaning, some higher meaning in our lives. And all that remains then is materialism and violence, basically. Yeah. Turning, uh, yeah. If you can crush someone, you can take what they have, you can take their place. So that's what you try to do because you have no meaning in your life. So. No, and you, you see them as a, a threat, therefore maybe as more valuable in a way than you. 
because otherwise they wouldn't be a threat to you. So it's like, I guess, kind of, you know, climbing a way up in the hierarchy. But at the same time, it is, you know, indeed turning against someone else. And um, like as, as individuals, as individual people, we are very easy to uh, to control. And um, a part of that control is turning us against each other. Because if we're so busy, you know, infighting and fighting against each other, you know, we we don't see what the people ruling us are like actually doing it's it's distraction it's diversion and yeah that's and that, that's why i you know that's why i also do do these podcasts like we're now with three different people here and we're all from a different country from a different part of the world i mean light of you and i yeah we're european we're both northern european but i'm dutch you're norwegian branch is american you know and yeah it may not be you know getting together in in the pubs and the inn and like you know talking and planning the revolution there um but we have our ways and that's also a thing with the uh with the internet like circling back around to that or should I say cycling back around to that um, yeah it's our uh, our greatest threat but again it's it we could also make it our greatest weapon but uh, our greatest weapon has in a sense been taken from us because the we- the internet itself has changed structure it's not a static thing and it has become much more centralized to the point where everyone are on the same platforms like Facebook and Twitter and they're so easily controllable and and every dissenting voice is kind of pushed to the outliers and they're not heard so what can I say you you have to be an active dissenter to uh, find uh, your own and, and those are few in number and those have they are censored so much that they basically have no influence basically that that's what the game is now uh, so i don't know uh, the thought about the internet being used as a weapon as a form of revolt what, what can i say uh, it is it is also easily thwarted <laughs> so uh, that's yeah. That's true. That's true. Like it's it's always a a double-edged sword, you know, because the internet. Like everybody has access to the internet. Um, most pe- most people are inherently passive, and that's true in the real world. For every revolution there has ever been, in, there's like two or three percent of the population who are revolutionaries, and everyone else are just fence-sitters and they just sit and watch who's winning, and then they start siding with the winners. Yeah. So you need to have a successful revolution or successful change. You need uh, a fanatical core, basically, uh, and people who are willing to suffer 
And if you are fanatical enough and willing to suffer enough, you will eventually win because the other side will cave. Uh, but now we're fighting against um, someone who has a lot of brainwashed people fighting for them, basically, and someone who rules over so many, also practically all the resources of the world. So it's like facing a hydra, or yeah, uh, yeah, and a, a monster. And uh, as I said, with the internet, in in my in my opinion, in my view, being a a different dimension, a different world. Like we're living in the age of information, but at the same time, we are really being um, being, being pushed to do everything on the internet to not own anything physical anymore. So even materialism has gone like online. You'll see that with um, with cryptocurrency, and as um, as Fortini just mentioned in the in the chat, you know, you'll have like online real estate. You know, like buildings that you don't actually own, or well, like you own them, but they they don't actually exist. Like wow. yeah, you're a you're a landowner. Yeah, you own several buildings, but they only exist online. That's taking um, it to a new level. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that's you know what what do you think? You know Zuckerberg called called it the metaverse because it is Isn't another it? it is another universe. It is the place that- where where we're supposed to live or one of the places where we're supposed to live after the singularity after the um well like literally humanity's downfall when we merge ourselves with technology when we become like even more physical than we already are i believe meta is a jewish word and means dead is, is that correct that is correct so you could say that it's uh death song would be metaverse to me, when I hear it, I think of death song, metaverse. Yeah. Mixing languages there, but you know, that's <laughs> no, but I, I I do think you uh you have a point there, because um like as as humans, like we're you know, in, in the Kali Yuga, in the the Iron Age, um, so to speak, we are like we're physical beings, you know, we, we have physical bodies. Yes, we still have a soul, a light body, a energy body, whatever you want to call it. But our main body is physical. And um, like merging with technology, we're merging with, in my opinion, something even more physical um that yeah i don't know it could be like a whole new age it could be another another yuga in in of itself because it's so new that that really hasn't happened before because we never had well we never had the tech we never had the technology to merge with technology 
imagine what a curse immortality would be or anything near immortality like uploading your consciousness to a computer uh, and uh, having a, an entire age where you just existed there and you per perhaps you didn't even know about the need to die because you 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 would be trapped your soul would be trapped for uh, for for such a, a long time and it you would literally it would be the definition of materialism. Yeah, you, you would try to preserve every ounce of your yeah. material, extend it as far as possible. You're, you're, <laughs> like you're even making your your spirit, your soul, your your like even that you're kind of transforming in a way into something physical, I guess. But uh, branch, you had your hand up. You wanna chime in on this? Yeah, thanks. Um, so I have a few... Okay, so <laughs> I want to mention a few things because I've just been taking notes. Um, so it's going to weave in and out of some of the things that you guys have said over the several, last several minutes. Um, but the first thing I wanted to mention is notice how BlackRock isn't buying digital real estate. They're buying real oh. real estate. <laughs> it's called real estate for a reason because it's real. So we can't even really call digital real estate that. We have to. We can call it digital fiat state <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> but it doesn't exist. It does, so, doesn't roll off the tongue as nice, but yeah. Uh, but that's the whole thing about words. I mean, they cast a spell, so you can call it digital real estate, and to that person, it's real. You know. I mean, look at the cryptocurrency thing, you know, so that already sets a precedent, I think. Um, but we we're talking about trading or, or excuse me, um, maybe the festivals rather. And that made me think of trading of culture and customs and, um, you know, these trade routes of the land and sea and how that has affected culture over time and how with globalization as it is today um kind of homogenizing everything together and all that we really get in terms of diversity is something very superficial and shallow and even the people in the culture a lot of times don't even know the meaning of what they have preserved because we no longer live that life that way so it kind of reminds me of dune where the fremen in the future when there were no more sandworms they for they used to have to walk on the sand a certain way to not attract sandworms well later that became just a dance that they didn't even know the meaning of um just for example and then the still suits that they wore didn't actually have pumps in the heels to cycle water because they no longer had to worry about water so they were just for looks they didn't actually have function so I think that we see the same thing happening today. It's like, well, we still preserve some of these things, but when was the last time any of us actually went out with a plow behind a donkey or an ox and, you know, did a furrow, you know what I mean? But so there will be some point where stuff like that is not even familiar and, and each generation that grows up, these things become more foreign and lost. So I think, um, a lot of the reason these festivals are so important is because they help to preserve tradition and um, culture and customs. And so I think part of Ragnarok is when these things have been lost. So like, um, I think Light Elf mentioned how 
a guest would not be safe with hosts or something like that. Um, you also see that in the Greek tradition too, with the flood story in Greek, is that Mercury and Jupiter went to every home in the land and tested each home if whether or not they exercised hospitality. And they only found one home that did. So they were the only ones preserved. So I think what we're seeing in this time is very similar to that, is that all these spiritual qualities are being kind of marginalized. They're not seen as profitable, um, very individualistic. The tribe is getting diluted. And every tradition, just to shoot in a, a quick comment, is that every tradition or a, a, any practice has practical considerations behind it. Like, um, for instance, when the Knights of Europe were known to be very polite, that was because people were supposed to not be killed from a, a misunderstanding of language. <laughs> so you practice oh, politeness. So, uh, and, and my point here is that the practical and the spiritual, I believe, also must be very connected because uh, what, what's it called? As uh, above, so below. So we should reflect uh, the ideal state or heaven uh, upon earth. Um, so we have higher reasons for doing what we do, but what we do needs to be practical uh, and give good results. But uh, yeah, like you pointed out, we have forgotten all about that. So that was just my quick comment. That's that's a good one. And you know, with uh, like heaven on earth, um, you'll see people saying that's 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 mostly in the new age uh, movements that you know heaven and hell they are mindsets they are a kind of vibration kind of frequency um so and i mean i i can i can see that i i do believe that it goes a bit further that it goes a bit deeper that um indeed as branch mentioned that it's well it is peace and prosperity on earth um for now that really sounds like a like a fantasy sounds like a pipe dream but i do believe it's possible um but yeah um i had a few more thoughts if you didn't mind yeah go ahead um so uh, along the lines of economics uh, Revelation also mentions this in Revelation chapter 6 verse 6 it talks about the weighing and measures for wheat and barley um, in relation to copper uh, like pennies and also in that verse it talks about not harming the oil and the wine so I think it'd be interesting to keep our eyes on oil and wine I think that means oil is in, um, for anointing or you know, not like olive oil or something. Yeah. Not, uh, the oil we think of is in terms of gasoline, but the it says do not, yeah, <laughs> do not harm the oil and wine is part of that verse as well, which would imply those are the things that are needed in the tabernacle. So I don't know. I just think it would be interesting to kind of keep our eyes on that because both oil and wine are made from fruits. Um, so in this Ragnarok era, there's this concept of harvesting you know what's left of humanity 
that still yeah. have this chivalrous, you know, civiliz- civilized, <laughs> I guess. Because, um, you know, the quote-unquote gods are whom gifted us agriculture and customs and these sorts of things. So, I mean, like what they expected to see in us, they don't see. So those ones get done away with. And the ones that have these qualities, just like with Jupiter and Mercury in that story, they preserve that because that's what they want humans to have. It's like, well, you're no longer slaves. So we would like you to just behave and, you know, because <laughs> you mentioned the Gigi earlier, Light Elf, how we were made to replace them. And that reminded me of the story with Marduk slaying Tiamat and Kingu. Um, so I guess that would be the moment when the Igigi spoke up and then like, hey, while we're killing Kingu and Tiamat, why don't we use their bodies for something? Because <laughs> part of that story, I think, is that we were made from Kingu's blood and and or his bones and body. And Tiamat was supposed to have been like what the world was created with. So I found that Sumerian creation epic very, very interesting, personally speaking. Um, but uh, one of the other things I had written down here was um, the internet. I kind of think of it as Loki's net. Um, like it's something that we really enjoy and love, but at the same time, we're literally knitting our own net. Because <laughs> like one day, I think it's all that information we put on there of ourselves that will, you know, kind of become a snare. Because once you're on there with your face and all your information, and you know, if they go so far as to like put chips in people and stuff, which I think is entirely possible because they're doing it now, especially yeah. in your guys' area, that's more popular. Um, I think that with the direction we're headed, you know, we don't realize that the snare is already around, the net is already around us. And so I find like Elon Musk's. Um, internet satellites to be particularly unnerving because now you can't escape the internet like there are places on earth you can kind of go and not be around that but like now there's quite literally a net over the earth so i find that really interesting because in christian ideology um, the internet is kind of part of what we call the beast system which the mark of the beast is relating to that um, um, tribulation, that great tribulation, which brings me to my last point. Um, this is also likened into a refiner's fire that takes gold or silver or whatever it might be metal wise and putting it through a refiner's fire, you work out all the impurities and the slag. And so uh, I think part of this is that we're going to be forced to not only are those who exercise some degree of this being preserved, but we're going to also be forced to go back to an original way that might seem foreign to us, but at the same time, it'll be new because what is old will become new again in a sense when that cycle flips. So I think we'll probably see like a huge reduction in technology or reliance upon electricity or maybe different types of energy altogether. Who knows what it'll look like, but I, I can pretty much surmise it won't look like it does now. <laughs> no, no it's, it's interesting that you mention uh, refinery and, and gold and um, because ascension or just, you know, elevating your spirit 
is done, as as they say, through um, through inner alchemy. And alchemy, in you know, its most basic understanding, like I, I do believe it's a more spiritual thing, not necessarily physical, is turning base metals like lead, like iron, into gold. So going from um, the Iron Age, cycling all the way back around to the Golden Age, we have to do a lot of inner work. We have to change our um, our inner alchemy. We have to refine ourselves, burn off those impurities. Because it, it seems like this process is happens really quickly because we don't make a cycle backwards uh, like we go from iron to bronze to silver to gold. Is uh, all the myths talk about the golden age coming back after the climax of the iron age, basically. Um, yeah. And so so it's like yeah a big die off and. I mean, in Ragnarok, there's only two two humans altogether that survive. <laughs> that's uh, that's not a lot, but but I get get your point. I mean, they're named life defiant or something like that. One of their names, life trasi, means life defiant. So, yeah, you, you will really have to have the stuff to survive this if we were to understand the myths in a literal sense. Uh, but but I do believe it's 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 not that simple. I mean, it's. I mean, it's like you say, it's a gradual process. So you need to better yourself in every way. And Kali Yuga is a good time to be good. I mean, you really stand out. Then. Yeah. Well, it's it's in um, in the greatest times of hardship when you can um, when you can truly prove yourself. It's it's in the hardest battles where the greatest warriors are made. Um, you know, like tough times create strong man. Ah, oh, what was that again? Like tough times create strong man, strong man create good times, good times create weak man, weak man create hard times. That's like, like that's, that's Yeah, we're cycle. in that cycle right now. <laughs> yeah, the trouble, exactly. The trouble, uh... Have you heard about the rat utopia? The rat utopia? Oh yeah. Yeah. The, the rats, the rats get everything they can possibly want of food and space and sex and whatever. And what happens is that the the rat males turn effeminate and they they're not interested in breeding themselves. Uh, they, they they just groom. So they sit, just sit in a corner like autists and groom themselves. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah and. Yeah, and so what's distressing about the rat utopia is that it's not like, oh, when uh, an amount of the rats have died off, then you can expand again. No, what happens is that the entire colony dies off (laughs) because you had too much luxury. And I think it's the Roman poet Juvenal, Juvenal, I don't know the English pronunciation. He says that of all ills and evils that you can be struck by, luxury is the worst luxury is the worst enemy nice. you can have. Um, and it, i mean it's true because in a sense the rat utopia proves it or shows it because 
luxury makes sure that you don't bounce back. If you were very poor, you could always bounce yeah. back from very bad events. But w- when you have had this era of luxury, you have lost all the abilities to grow your own food. You don't know any practical skills. You don't, yeah, you, you, you're not connected to nature in a very basic sense. So what happens is that you just die out, you, or, or perhaps you're replaced. Uh, so in a sense, in a sense, if you are to think from this perspective, what would make sense then is to escape from the rat utopia. You can't improve it and you can't expect to be there and survive. You, you, you have to escape entirely. You must be the rat that gets out of that cage, Ascent. that metaverse. Ascent, ascent the uh, ascent the cycles, ascent above the um, above the pendulum that you know swings from left to right, and you know like politically we're seeing that happening now. Like there was a really for the last couple of years there was a really really hard push to the left, but now in um, with the last elections in, I believe, Sweden and Italy. Not sure how much I trust the, you know, the election process worldwide, but there are now two um, prime ministers who are on the right political spectrum. So we're seeing the pendulum swing back to the right again. and like, yeah, how, how do you escape that? Rise above it, become become the point or at the point from which the pendulum swings. You know, if you could if you could say that the pendulum is the third dimension, the physical dimension in which we live, you know, ascent to the fourth dimension, to the fifth dimension. And I think that is... Um, yeah, because... <laughs> The, the division between the right and the left is basically just an illusion. Both parties yeah. are doing the same things. So it's, yeah. it's just, uh, it's a, it's like bread and circus. It's just a circus part. Where that, is a qu- that is a quote of Juvenal, by the way. Uh, yeah, give juvenile. the bread and circus. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, just, I just looked that up, um, that the common people, rather than caring about their freedom, are only interested in bread and circuses. Well, that explains it's, sports. <laughs> that is bread and circuses. Yeah. And a lot of tribalism as well. Takes, yeah, it takes that out of us. Imagine a world without sports and entertainment for that matter. Like, take all your movie stars and sports out. Where are they going to direct that adoration? But I, I think the tribalism in sports is interesting um just like a tribalism as a whole because we do still have it in us we can still you know form a tribe find connection with each other and fight for the, the the one thing the one you know the one thing that we have in common whether that be sports entertainment whatever so we still have it in us we're just channeling it the wrong way or or in the in the wrong direction if you will 
even schools do this a lot I've noticed I've picked up on that as I've gotten older that um, especially in this area where we're very much in the Bible belt but yet we still have a lot of devil mascots at the schools and I've always wondered like how that ever happened or why anybody would do that but then it got me thinking I was like whoa you know all these schools actually have colors and mascots and they're basically putting a lot of energy into that egregore you know um yeah your school spirit they talk about that you know so <laughs> i think there's rival is to it. rival schools and all that but oh it's with, ridiculous <laughs> but even with like within the schools itself you know the the students you'll have well groups you'll have tribes you know you'll have the mean girls you'll have the, the jocks yeah you'll have the the, the stoners the whatever you'll have yeah. the yachtnar you'll have the Asir. yeah yeah no i mean yeah like literally you'll you have, have the vanir you'll have the guy who at 12 years old is like already fucking six foot five you'll have the guy who you know the the, the glutton you know even like the seven deadly sins you'll see in school especially high school you know vanity gluttony it's it's yeah so schools themselves are indeed very tribal like i remember yeah they're tapping into that yeah i i remember like my my primary school even i i lived near my uh, my old primary school actually uh there are three primary schools next to uh next to each other there are three different schools and somehow just because they were a different school they were lesser than us they were you know the the wrong school they, you know and oh those kids are from you know from that school or oh those kids are from that school you know the They're, other yeah yeah like that that gets like even just as a kid it's ingrained it's it's taught it's um promoted even well and i could see some advantages to it if it were for instance you know how artificial intelligence works it, it's antagonistic to itself our brain hemispheres are if we only had one hemisphere we wouldn't be nearly as intelligent um so there are some advantages to having healthy competition and stuff so you oh, know there's there's nothing wrong with with competition you know it's just not channeled properly because it's not well understood in my but i think it would be so much cooler if imagine instead of football and these other idiotic sports what if every school had um like you know the society for creative anachronism where they fight with swords and shields and stuff like to me that would be much cooler you you have way. those you'll have a lot of those <laughs> groups here in uh, at least in the netherlands um oh cool hey hey ma it's called uh like historical martial arts and um yeah. one of my former employers uh the which was a open air historical park the uh the Arheum, they did um like in the in the roman area like it was it was divided in different 
time periods, so to speak. So if you if you went around the park, you'd go from like the early early Neolithic uh, into like the Stone Age, Iron Age, uh, Roman, Middle Ages. You know, like a, a tour through history and all the um, employees there. They were um, they, <laughs> they hate it if you say it, but they were basically LARPing as the people from that time period. You know, with period appropriate clothing and everything. Um, I worked in the uh, the Roman part there for a um, for a bit, and they do like mock gladiator fights, and a lot of those people, especially in uh, those that work in the um, in the Roman era, in the Roman age, and the Middle Ages, in those parts of the park, uh, a lot of those, well, guys mostly, are into um, like histor historical reenacting of you know battles and uh, like they'll buy like actual chainmail or actual plates and have themselves. Uh, like a, a sword and whatever um, like even oh this is like this is years ago when I was still on on Facebook still with the uh, the heathens of oath and honor who turned out to be a very little oath and no honor um, I was gonna gonna do a um, a music video with a back then friend of mine lives in Belgium, so Netherlands, Belgium, not that far away, you know, they're our southern neighbors. Um, but, you know, for our video clip, we wanted some um, some reenactors. We, we wanted to, uh, to have a group basically portraying a, um, like either a gang of berserkers or just like a, a warrior search party or whatever and i actually found a um a group who does that professionally like yeah it's it's their hobby but they're doing it professionally like they'll do events and they'll do you know video clips and and all that so it is still being done and i guess you could say that those people um yeah they're reenacting but in a way, they are preserving the tradition. They are... Um, well, it maintains that practicality element that we were talking yeah. about earlier. Because if yeah. that part is lost, then it becomes a... Well, that's the whole point of a twilight language, is to kind of fill in the gaps. You know, um, you have your oral tradition and your written traditions. Yeah, and that's, that's why we lost so much information of our ancestors because it was all oral tradition you know and yeah because uh, socrates says that um when you introduce writing you um, you lose your ability to remember so interesting yeah yeah so so you <clears throat> so and uh, there's this greek philosopher called heraclitus which states that war is the father of all things and everything that comes into the world comes into the world through strife uh, and i find 
find that very relevant to uh, to the to the question at hand, which is how do we preserve ourselves? And it's only through practice, only through through strife. Uh, and I wonder if I could relate this to dualism, because um, we, we were having discussions about dualism when it pertains to, to Ragnarok and how the world, in the last Ragnarok installment, we kind of concluded that the world is in a constant state of entropy until you reach a point of uh, collapse. Uh, and this, and when, this entropy goes further and further and further. The conflict seems to be larger and larger and larger. It's like, and this is what Odin struggles against. And and at, at the end, all the powers negate each other. All the gods, all the monsters, uh, all the the living and the dead, even the honorable warriors of Valhalla and and the cowards of the underworld, they meet and they. They did dissolve each other. Uh, so, so you seem to need a bit of strife to to maintain yourself. Uh, and I, I was discussing, um, I was talking about Jungian uh, dualism uh, when, when we spoke about that, uh, and I, I wanted to elaborate uh, elaborate on, a bit on it because uh, Jung basically states that you cannot introduce something good into the world without also introducing a corresponding evil. Uh, and I used an example, like if you reduce infant mortality, you get more sickly children. So there's always a, a flip side uh, with the physical world. Uh, but I didn't explain how or why this happens. Why is it so? Uh, and basically this is because the world is interconnected and relational. Uh, so, for instance, if you have a table, a table is not only defined by itself, it's also defined by its environment. So if you put a table on the floor, it will have a quality of, like something you can sit by. But if you put it in an oven or in the free air, it will have be quite different. So that means that everything we see in the physical world is not only defined by itself, it's also defined by something else, something it's interconnected with. And that's why all qualities we see have this dual side, it's shadowy side, it's opposite. Uh, and this makes the world a world of a conflict. So imagine if the universe was just a dark sphere and I shot a beam of light through that sphere. And then I could say, oh, I have created light or warmth. But then uh, the people on the outliers of that light would say, hey, we're, we're in darkness now. What have you done? <laughs> so they, by introducing light, I would also create the dual aspect of darkness. So I, I can't do anything in Oh, in the world without creating its opposite at the same time. And this follows the laws of Newton. Like, I can't fire a, a rifle without getting recoiled back. So that, that's the, the, the price of existence, basically. 
the, the price of existence is evil and downfall, untergang, uh, as the Germans would, would probably say. Uh, that's what makes existence so hard, and that's why talking about singular good or singular truths uh, is basically that's out of this world. That's impossible, except except for in the for the golden age, and we don't know what the golden age is. So that, that's a mystery I have been uh, struggling a bit with. Uh, like, how do we explain the golden age? where there's seemingly no strife. Uh, Hesuid, uh, the Greek historian, speaks about um, rivers of milk and honey and the grain harvests itself. So there, there's no struggle and yeah. Uh, and uh, in the Norse um, cave song, Gruftasanger, it's the same thing. If, if someone in the Norse golden age had their brother's killer bound and thrown before them, they would just not kill that, that person and at that uh, that in that culture, that was an outrage. But so, so strife has been taken out of the world, and you still have this blissful state. Uh, how is that possible? Uh, we don't know. <laughs> it's it's impossible to know, perhaps for us in the Kali Yuga. Yeah, that's my yeah. Thing. No, that's 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 really a good one because you'll see dualism or duality you'll see it you'll see it everywhere you know with the darkness and the light like how do you know it's dark because there's absence of light how do you know it's light because there's an absence of darkness you know <clears throat> how do you know what's bad by knowing what's good you know it's it's um it's it's equal equal opposites and uh you know going a bit into uh traditionalism and, and traditional lifestyles and whatever you know that's that's another thing with the the globalism and the, the homogeneity um, you know men and women men and women like we're the same apparently you know there there is no there is no line anymore like men can be women women can be men like dna genes doesn't doesn't matter it's all feeling now like i can i can decide now like literally now that oh i feel like a woman therefore i am a woman but um like men and women we're we're not supposed to be equal to each other because we're two different beings you know it's a yes. form, of, form of hubris a form of human arrogance to say that we shall create this unity between men and women which does it's not physically possible we're, we we're want trying we, we're trying and look where it's going we, we're trying we're tr trying to do that and we're trying to create immortality in a sense uh, extending our lives um, yeah the, for the ancient Greeks this hubris thing like overstepping your limits was the worst worst kind of sin that's what got you punished by the gods uh, which is very interesting um, uh, and I think yeah I think we are very arrogant uh, or, or the spirit of the times is is uh, it's basically a revolt against nature but also a revolt against God at the same time. I mean, 
Yeah. However, you understand God is the originator of nature, or the other way around. And however, you understand that. But but but, or, but yeah. Or what are there one one and the same? You know, you, you can see you can see God in in everything, from a pretty flower to you know the the, the smile of a baby. You know, that's that's all that's all divine. Nietzsche would understand this as a form of slave morality because you you feel inferior and to be at the same level of, of everyone else you, you have to create equality but by doing this it's a constant process you have to lower the bar lower and lower, lower uh, just to have everyone equal so you have to yeah. always find a bigger victim group so like yeah. now you have yeah i don't yeah so before that's, it was, that's that's the descent of of humanity you know descension ascension like now like as you're saying you know we're not looking to raise ourselves up we're not looking to climb you, you higher basically, to... you basically win by being a victim basically in society now, yeah now you do which is incredibly backwards uh real quick we have a fourth guest who just joined us uh burdock hope you can hope you can hear us welcome hail to the burdock uh hey. greetings can you guys hear me yeah we can hear you no cam this time what's that no cam oh yeah i'll time? do a camera in a, yeah i'll do a camera in a bit i just my, yeah my hair is looking crazy <laughs> i'm gonna look good <laughs> yeah, of course come on like everybody wants to look good for ragnarok <laughs> no, but man, the, the synchronicities you guys, I mean, you guys hit on so many synchronicities that I've been dealing with and thinking about. Like, I had a Friday Night Live, I literally named it uh, Syntropy and Entropy. And it's just hilarious and, and just so many other uh, syncs. Um, I don't think we need to live in a scarcity mentality in these cycles, but I think we could break those cycles of that. Um, one example that I know of a very wealthy generational wealthy family, their patriarch, he passed away a few years ago in his late nineties. He took over the generational wealth family and it was like all squandered before he took over. And then he worked hard, built it back up all the way into his nineties. Now he's passed it on to the next generation and all of his grandkids haven't worked for anything. They're all like trust fund kids. And by kids, I mean 30s, 40s, 50s. And so when they receive the empire, so to speak, they're probably gonna squander it, you know? <laughs> and then the Good next point. generation is gonna have to work back again and build it. So they're in like a four generational cycle just within that one family. So it's interesting. But on the grander scheme of things, <clears throat> when, um, I mean, it is written into astrology and these cataclysmics are built into the uh, this code, but I don't like people um, creating scarcity <laughs> and projecting that onto us. It's not natural. Like a lot of things that we see, I don't think are necessary. There's, there, you know, there's a little bit in between where you have Yes, there's some natural, there's some nature involved, but then there's some manipulation that I don't find to be organic, so to speak. Um, especially when you get, and when you boil it down to the, you know, the lizard class and the parasitic class and 
there's this kind of dualistic battle of to use simple terms you know good and evil just for simplicity um yeah there's yeah i don't know i'm trying to figure it out myself guys (laughs) it's it's an honor to be here with everyone by the way thank you thank you for being yeah happy to have you But there, are, there is a group that is, there's a parasitic class and they hide the technology, they hide the history, they lie, deceive, they fraud, want to make people unhealthy, hijack old technologies and weaponize it. So that's not natural. It doesn't need to be that way. I think they're also keeping um, our crown chakras turned off because when we have that, we have authority. Without it, you know, we're easily led. Uh, I had a few comments. May I weave in and out of a few things real quick? Yeah, no, definitely. Go go ahead. Weave Thanks. Away. I just don't want these to become not as relevant. Um, so um, we've mentioned the Kali Yuga and how that equates to like an Iron Age. That reminds me of the Daniel chapter 4 when Daniel's interpreting the King, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and um, his task was to not only interpret the dream but to tell him what the dream was and interpret it. It was like a test for him. Um, but anyway, it started out with a it's, it's a, a tall statue of metal with the head of gold, arms of silver, belly of bronze, legs of iron, and then feet of clay. You mentioned clay earlier too, and the stone—a stone falls from heaven, a stein, if you will—falls from heaven and hits the feet um, where the the clay and the iron were trying to mix, but aren't they're not going to mix well? In that same verse, it also mentions the seed. So we kind of mentioned giants a little bit earlier, but. Um, I think that a big part of Ragnarok and Revelation is this reemergence of the giants and them trying to blend with us for whatever reason. I think it's because they want to become inheritors of what we're heirs to, you know. Um, now they're corporations. Now they're yeah, giants, corporations. Dude, dude, I have that. I have those notes here. I'll even hit enter. So I had some notes here. (laughs) Um, There's a show called Ragnarok on Netflix that if you like this type of culture, you might enjoy it. And in that, um, there are only few giants, but the few there are, they're immortal and they're like at the heads of these companies and stuff and they're polluting towns and so on and so forth and just doing their giant thing. which is in the Bible, the giants are known for consuming the land and destroying, having huge appetites that could not be sated, etc. And they even preyed upon humans. So I think that that show is kind of interesting how it portrays the giants in that regard. Um, but yeah, we even have corporate giants today. And the one other, th- well, there's two more things I wanted to add. Um, so the uh, earlier, uh, Light Elf mentioned something about uploading the consciousness to live forever, that sort of thing. 
in in the Assassin's Creed game Ragnarok, which is the whole concept of the game is to go back into your genetic memory and genetic past. Well, the bonus ending. Sorry for the spoiler, but the bo- and I have not played the game. I've just watched it on YouTube. So the the secret ending of the game is that uh, there are all these Aesir gods, Odin included, that to escape Ragnarok, they actually upload their consciousness into a machine. And I guess they even like, maybe, I'm not sure exactly what the machine, like I said, I'm not playing the game, but they upload their consciousnesses into a machine. And then they go fight knowing they're gonna go die, but they wanted to preserve their consciousness somehow. So pretty weird. Of course, Loki's involved and he's meddling in there. but one other thing I wanted to point out here um, is this dualism thing of light and dark. Well, Ragnarok means twilight. So I would wonder what's the Nordic word for dawn? Because really we could bookend things there by having a word for dawn where creation occurred and then Ragnarok when it all ends. So even from a biblical account, we have the Alpha and Omega. We have the sunrise and the sunset. Um, uh, to answer so, a quick qu- question, I think um, yeah, go ahead. Uh, there is this personified god called Dog, uh, which means day, basically. And the, oh, yeah. So uh, and you have um, Dagri, which would be the dawning of day, <laughs> basically. Uh, Did you say dog? Perha- is it like D O G? D D A A G D A G. It's it's the same in Dutch. Okay. Um, or, or perhaps it would be. Um, it's also a goddess, isn't it? I mean, Astra uh, or Astora, isn't she the goddess of dawn? Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, perhaps, perhaps that's the oldest version of it. Um, it's funny because even though it's D A G, it still sounds to me like dog, which. If it begins with a dog, it also ends with a dog because a Fenrir eats the moon and the sun and you know brings all this destruction. So uh, yeah. I think it's and he's a dog too. <laughs> he's a wolf though. Yeah, Different and like if you and if you like reverse it, if you read it um, right to left, dog is God. Yeah, so, kind of reminds me of the yin and yang. Then it's like yeah. one wolf is eating it and one wolf is creating it. Kind of interesting. Oh, and one more thing I wanted to mention: um, in Hebrew, the word Odin refers to birth pain or the act of giving birth and that state of vulnerability a woman would be in when when delivering a child. And so. It's, it equates to the, basically I think that's the time we're in now so I mean, you could say that um, that women you know because of the because of the pain and whatever um, it's also because you're not supposed to give birth lying down you know you're you're supposed oh, to oh interesting yeah I don't, I don't know where that was but I um, I heard that on a, a well, gravity would be helping you there, so it makes a lot of sense. Exactly, exactly. That's that's why you're uh, like why I, I that's what I believe. Um, 
like I said, I, I heard that on a, a stream or a podcast the other day. I don't know exactly where again, but might have even um, been Chance's. Chance had a birthing expert on the other night, like a lady that was a midwife. Interverse. Um, I yeah. I'm way I'm way behind on uh, on on his content. I'm subscribed. Oh, to okay. Two. Well, that was I, I'm sub- I'm subscribed to one too many podcasts, and I have I'm like I have too many podcasts, too little time, and doing my own. So, <laughs> and it's so much great information all over. I hear you, man. It's I'm like I want all this info, but you know, there's only so much time in the day. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. And you know, working five days a week, seven, seven and a half, eight hours yeah. a day in in the kitchen, and then you know, still having to go home. Um, may, may I sh- may I share something? Please Real do. Quick? And I don't, I don't want to digress from uh, what Joshua was bringing up. It was just um, from previous conversations. I did an episode on uh, my family thinks I'm crazy. They're esoteric. I did esoteric Georgia. And you were talking about mounds and the similarities of the mount. By the way, the mounds here and during my research, the waterways. So this is North America, right? Obviously, we were talking the Dark Ages, previous resets and cataclysms and Ragnaroks. You know, it seemed like there was a very loss of population here on this side of the pond. You know what I mean? Like, where did everyone go? But they had all these mounds and things that still survive. So the waterways, they go all the way up from Georgia. You can take rivers all the way up to the Mississippi, all the way up to the Great Lakes into Canada. You're pretty much in, you know, you can get into the northern part, part where you get into Iceland, you get into things like Leif Erikson. But I think the population was here way before that. With the, When I say the mounds, I'm talking like all the four cross, you know, the iron cross, so to speak, or the cardinal directions, all the stuff. You can, you can look at these things and they relate directly back to the Scandinavian and Nordic symbols. But they even mainstream dates them a thousand years old you know, 1500 years old here in North America. So it's interesting when you talk about, when you guys showed a map earlier about a migration. I think you showed like a migration kind of from the Nordic down to, I don't know, like it looks like it went down kind of Southeast on that map you guys were showing a while ago. I'm bringing up old stuff from earlier in the episode, but um, it's, I find, I think this ties into North America. The Canadians don't look at Christopher Columbus, they look at Leif Erikson. But I, I think with the combination of mounds, the combination of the jewelry and the symbology all equates back to the Nordic as well. You have all the way down the, to Mexico. All the way have, the same in Mexico, dude. It's, it's wild. So But you also have of course the um the Kensington runestone in Minnesota and a lot of uh, people in uh from, from what I from what I um, have read from what I've researched that a lot of people in Minnesota and um, well, the, like the, the the states in that part of the U.S. I don't I don't know the map of the U.S. Mm-hmm. but um, that with the majority of people living there have um, Scandinavian heritage. Yes. The most of the North Dakotas, Minnesotas, that air, that whole region, it's a good four, five, six states. They all migrated. Well, we're told, you know, they come over in the early 1900s, all from like Norway, Sweden, Finland, 
all of them have blonde hair and they're all yes so that's correct by the way i i can uh, attest to that ask anyone in that area they can tell you where they came from um but yeah i think there was a whole 500 i, I can date back a whole 500 year period where there was like hardly anyone around here like very sparse but there's old you know just old things so that tells that ties into the dark ages potentially like it's like north america got hit harder where you know the summer of no sun you know that kind of stuff or or maybe some other deeper cataclysm and i, I think our ties to the old country you know the old country so to speak the nordics and it goes long time ago <laughs> i'm just throwing that out there we're supposed um, to also have that connection to the serpents here because some um america refers to land of the plumed serpents so i'd wonder yeah uh, and there's even that old i used to laugh and i used to laugh when they one of the old Quetzalcoatl. dude the feathered they have that here in georgia that's what i'm talking about they have some fear of a feathered huge bird man it's just a feathered serpent and i dude check that episode there's there's artifacts there's everything um and there's so much stuff that is uh, you can literally walk in the woods and just look at some stones and you're like, whatever, some stones. But they're actually, someone mapped it out. There's a whole system of these, like, um, there's a lot going on here. It's kind of what I'm saying. Nidhogg is uh, the serpent in Norse mythology. It's a dragon uh, and he has feathers in his, uh, he has corpses in his feathers when he returns. Whoa. <laughs> It's interesting. Another that, feathered serpent. Another. I, I thought, how old is he? How I old is someone? One at a time, uh, guys. Uh, yeah, ask your question, and then I'll come with my comment. Um, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be. I'm the one. I'm the. I'm the problem here. Um, <laughs> uh, some artifacts related to that. How old do you think they date back? Um, those that uh, figure you I forget the name forgive me um, the the serpent dragon uh, need uh, uh, sorry I, I'm of course you don't recognize I said it in Norwegian I should have said it in Icelandic probably need or something like that yeah Do no, you I, I, recognize I it then <laughs> I said I it in Norwegian. That's a mistake. I know who I know who you mean. That's the um, he's the dragon gnawing at the roots. The roots. Of the of the yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So my question is, how old are some of those artifacts relating to to that um, figure? I'm um, trying to see the culture or like the artistic interpretations of it, like artwork and stuff. Yeah. Or yes, because I'm trying to tie it to North America is kind of what my goal here is. I think it's related. Just to throw it uh, very quickly, in um, I remember seeing a stone relief fr uh, from the Mayas uh, where they're sacrificing uh, a white person, uh, which is blonde, basically. Uh, it's yeah. Quite. So. Yeah, I, I've gone. I've gone into that with uh, with Fortini on the um, the giants podcasts that we did, Whoa. and a little, a little, a little about the about the little people. Because um, if I remember so the, correctly, and this is this is when I wish Fortini was here, um, he would probably have a lot to say. Yes. <laughs> oh, dude, it, it's it's the uh, 
the hardest thing is to get him to shut up. Uh, <laughs> no offense, but um, yeah, like, um, but that's like even relating back to uh, to Atlantis and the dispersal of of those people. Um, that when the when the Aztecs came there, and I believe they portrayed a lot of their gods in that way too. They were uh, tall, white, um, tall white people, tall white men with blonde hair and blue eyes. And you'll see that still in um, in a lot of cultures. They will. Um, you know, for example, you'll, you'll have you have several statues of um, of the Buddha, for example, which is these incredibly blue eyes. Um, the same with them. The same with the Sumerian gods. They have um, their eyes are always made of lapis lazuli, which is blue, a blue stone. Yeah, but you know, if you're if you're thinking uh, Latin America, if you're thinking Asia. You're not thinking blonde hair, blue eyes. You're thinking, you know, black hair, brown eyes. So yeah, the I'm sorry. Um, some old. I looked at some people analyze the old trade routes. Um, by old, I mean real old. The jet stream in the Atlantic, you know, from your from your country, pretty much goes south, and then from across from Africa, you can it goes to the west very easily. Now you're in the Caribbean. And it goes up the east coast north and then back across. So you can literally just follow that in a circle, the jet stream. It goes clockwise in the Atlantic. It's quite easy to just have the world's intricate trade routes um, through there. And people have been seafaring people forever. That's not that's nothing new. Oh yeah, you know? there there have been um, studies done and evidence found that even um, oh, like that. E even back in the uh, the Neolithic times, that our uh, our ancestors Neanderthals, that the Neanderthals were actually seafaring. Wow. And we're talking. And though, then we're talking. We're talking early hominids. We're talking the species that, well, we basically caused the end of. You know, modern man, uh, like we did interbreed with them with the Neanderthals and Denisovan. It's that's that's another story. That's another podcast. But um, yeah, like so, we're talking several hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of years ago. That pre men, pre hominids, the early hominids, they were seafaring. You know, and they, I don't even had, know if I they had it. the knowledge, they had the technology, apparently, so. I don't necessarily believe in cavemen, Neanderthals. I think, I just oh, believe that's in- bullshit. Yeah, it's just, now, an uh, interesting topic, if you look up the, the, the great, sea, the four sea kings, supposedly they were giants. Supposedly they arrived, so if you're in the Mediterranean, they arrived from the West, meaning they came from what would be North America, in these a huge fleet of ships. And they their ships included artisans, merchants, all kinds, and they were giants. Uh, at least the captains were giants. 
and they were there's a theory that they were the ones that brought all that Egyptian Tartarian looking you know temple arcade Greek stuff and that they actually came from the west and that they were giants that's where the pharaohs and all those people um, come from now this is not mainstream this is very it's awesome it's hard to find something about it. Um, yeah, there's I, a gentleman. I, I on his, looking yeah, up, his research but... is Archaix. His name's Archaix, and he's one of those like uh, stitching types who sits and really digs deep into this and tries to tie this together mm-hmm. with the Chronicon. You know, the so he brings up this four sea kings. So this is just another element of. And then why did they leave North America? Why did they, I mean, we're talking a whole civilization in boats. <laughs> you know what I mean? Coming to the Mediterranean going, what's up? Hey, bird dog. Um, yes, sir. Light Elf was talking about the Anunnaki before we went live. And I just wondered, do, do we have any, is there anything that kind of connects that to this end of the world thing? Like, are they, is there like a, cause like at the beginning, we have a lot of God. At the end, we have a little bit of God, or no God, you know. And um, it seems like at the end of the cycle is like the return of God. So I would wonder, like, is this Nibiru Anunnaki thing possibly like part of a cycle as well, with, with Nibiru returning at regular intervals? Is this what causes the cataclysms? and the Ragnarok of some sort. And then, of course, the reestablishment of Golden Age is like the after effect of, you know, once this area or once this entity passes, you know, does it leave behind in its wake a bunch of destruction, but then a Golden Age? Speaking of gold and Anunnaki, sorry, real quick, Birdo, then I'll I'll let let you talk. Um, With the Anunnaki creation theory, like, weren't we as as mankind uh weren't we made to um to dig up gold yeah which they used as fuel for their ships we're we're still doing it today man (laughs) true yeah true so that's sorry just on gold that that popped into my mind immediately yeah so i mean there's a lot of well based on that um the timing, I mean, there's astrology involved as above, so below. So you definitely have stars above us that affect down here. Then deep, going deeper into what, I mean, there's so many there's strings here where there is thoughts of another group, so to speak, that is messing with the recycling, uh, the, the natural recycling of our whole reincarnation, our whole thing, that they're jacking our louche and they're taking that energy. Then, then there's the old gold and metals and geopolymers where you have all these temples and spires and buildings that are have domes with gold and other metals and geopolymers that are basically like free energy, free, you know, things like that of energy. And then you could go deeper and go, is there just straight up astral projection? And are they just, you know, was there astral projection back in the day, like the internet, like we do now? You go, I'm just gonna, let me email uh, Lightwolf real quick. I'm just gonna get into my, you know what I mean? My 
my chamber and just send them a message. I mean, there's a lot of, then there's the, there's these old technologies that is lost. And that basically, that's why you have a lot of new stuff built on old stuff. And they're trying to retro, uh, you know, retro figure out this old technology, but they kind of bastardize it, weaponize it and dampen it. Um, you know, a lot of illnesses came around uh, when they introduced the radio tower that didn't exist. So are they, and Branch, you mentioned it, uh, the frequencies, instead of us using our healing energy, and maybe the old school way was using these energies and vibes to, to just live in that garden of and heal, have giants, have large fauna, have all this, then these, some other, I don't know if it's, in, in, you know, the, the Anunnaki or good or bad, bad, for simplistic terms, the bad take it over and go, all right, we're going to weaponize these frequencies. We're going to weaponize this um, and and mess and uh, cause um, disease and things. Go ahead. I know you're, I see you. I see you. <laughs> go ahead, brother. I, I love you getting into this because that's, that's so like ever since I found like Tartaria and, and, and Tiquitec and all that, like I, I've been pretty much obsessed with it um but like you know using frequency for healing that's what i believe that the uh the churches were for with the rose window and the organs you know like with the whole frequency thing if you have a um a bowl of water and you play a certain frequency underneath it the um the ripple ripples in the water will take the shape of what could be considered one of those uh, one of those rose windows you see in those those big magni magnificent churches and like with the organs you know also being so incredibly big and usually placed uh, in the well the the back of the church near the uh, near the window or where the big rose window would be I can definitely imagine that with with the right frequency, with the right um, with the right tone, you could definitely like mass heal, which would also um, you know, which would also relate to uh, the fact why in just every mythological story, whether it be you know the bible or like whatever we have in in norse mythology or the um the vedas you know why people lived for several thousands of years several hundreds of years you know yeah. with the you know the anunnaki or you know the kings of old like just ruling for like five thousand years each yeah they called that a period a uh, scar and some of these rulers would rule for scars. <laughs> you know, like yeah, just long times. And, and these, like, and this is when you look into the Schumann residence in the realm, which is actually changing its frequency. You can't control that, so that is built in as well. So with uh, we're coming, the frequency is raising now. So when you have that lowering of frequency, you have less smaller things, less life. Now the ground is literally raising its frequency. And so we're kind of that could that also um, affects cycles as well. And you can look into things like um, I think it's Angkor Wat, 
like the pillars there, you can, they're toned, they're using geopolymers where they are toned, meaning you can literally just tap on it and it'll make a, it'll make like a beautiful tone. It's almost yeah. like its own little xylophone kind of thing. An another version of the yeah. two pillars. You yeah. Know, like, like a tuning fork. It's basically, it's two pillars. The buildings are tuning forks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up. Uh, and they're not even that complex. Like they've, um, some people have torn them down and trying to go, how do they make this? And they're actually very simple materials. So it's, it's, yeah. But yeah, it, doesn't, I, it doesn't have to be complex. You just need to know how to build them. You guys mentioned the changing of the frequency. I couldn't help but think of how prominent horns are in the Revelation and Ragnarok stories and the blowing yeah, of Gallon, that's, Gallon that's deer or the horn. Um, it's like, uh, you know, he was talking about with the vessels full of water. Well, we're full of water too. What's the geometric pattern going to look like when that horn blast goes out? You know, it's going to resonate through us as well. Yeah, no, that's that's what I mean. You know, with those, um, like with the organs, and indeed, as as Burdog mentioned, why certain stars or planets or whatever have a effect on us. Like, why do you think lunacy is a thing? You know, the the moon like controls the water, controls ebb and flow. As humans, we're seventy percent water. It's only logical that when there is a full moon or a new moon or whatever in between that it has its effect on us too and yeah some deal with it a little better than others you know some are able to channel it and others go crazy hence lunacy so um we have other notes this is this is really going all over the place again a little bit uh, i just think that ties in with the cat you know this cataclysm that seems to be built into this the code here the you know the catacly the cataclysms over so many years um i think that's just how this realm is like configured i think you know it almost goes back to what you guys were saying way earlier like where it's like you have good times and bad times and it's just you know i know i'm simplifying it you know but you guys it's it, i think it's built into the, the the code and there are those that know this code and they unfortunately weaponize it and give us and, and enforce amnesia on us as well so is that where they're saying learn to code learn, uh i don't who says that everyone i don't know no it's it's just you know if it, like it People it's say a meme. That, yeah, oh, okay. pe pe people say that to be a jerk. Like, oh, you lost your job? Well, better learn how to code. Oh, oh, I don't know, but I'm all about decoding the code. But I see what you mean. Learn to code, <laughs> you know, to get to get just uh, work or whatever. But yeah, it's a code um, because I've been spending a lot of time decoding the code, whether it's the sacred geometry, gematria, numerology, astrology, you name it. It is a code that you can literally uh, decode and use it for your benefit. So I think a lot of people, we don't get taught this in schools. We get taught nonsense in schools. Oh, I yeah. wish we were in the old mystery school. If I grew up, so I have a guy coming on my show this Friday who was on the Interverse. His name's uh, Jorge Mesa, who talks about 
music, the chords, the seven major chords, the five minor, oh, wow. yeah. I would call them major minor chords, you know, so that's 12. And they do 32 hertz, 440 hertz. Four thir all those chords are on those hertz that you're talking about, which is basically, yeah. And then as well as astrological, the chords. So he's going to come on. So it's uh, the sinks are crazy. I'm kind of on this. I'm all about deep. So, okay. So the reason I brought all that up is like, this is a code, you know, it, it's programmed. It's not, it's not random. It's not this or that. So yeah. anything beyond yeah. that is all for me. I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm not here as a person who knows everything. I'm here as a person who has a lot of questions, you know? Oh no, dude. That's <laughs> like questions. Questions are welcome too. Like that. that's another, that's another part of, um, of this Ragnarok podcast, you know, trying to find an answer for those questions or speculate on the answers. And uh, Branch, you just uh, said something in the chat. That's where my mind went too about the electromagnetic energy causing sickness. Like I've seen that a lot uh, during the COVID era, of course, that when the um, like 1G, 2G towers were introduced, that that's when you um, where you had those major, well, influenza-like pandemics, also with the with the Spanish flu, apparently right before that, well, kicked off, so to speak. Another one of those towers, maybe it was like two two G back then, one G, two G, or like just something, um, were introduced and. Um, the 5G and COVID connection, yeah, we're we're going there. Um, I I've seen it a lot too, and yeah, electromagnetism doesn't that does definitely have its effects on us. Like we are electrical beings. Uh, the podcast that I or show that I uh, saw this afternoon with spiritual gangsters, they were talking about that too um that like we are electrical beings you know and electricity has its big has such a major effect on us and like what if what are our nerves besides just conductors for our own electricity for our own energy and um indeed the coronavirus you know it's it's like we all know by now that it didn't happen, but it was a virus of the mind, indeed. Like we were, you know, we were made scared. And if you're really scared, if you're really in that, like deep in that negative vibration, yeah, your body will break down and it will feel like you are getting sick. And then with some, you know, bogus tests, if you run enough cycles, here we go again with the cycles, you'll find anything and everything. You know, it's it's what I keep telling people. Like when I hear at work, like, oh yeah, I had COVID. I'm like, no, you had a positive test. It's not the same thing. You know, it was it was indeed a, a virus of the mind, you know, the, the, the corona, the um, it is the uh, the halo around the sun that uh, that we can see. So 
yeah, that's 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 really it's it's a good connection. It's what my mind went to um, right away too. And as we mentioned earlier, yeah, there is a electromagnetic net over the Earth with all those, you know, electric towers and the satellites and cables and whatever. And as I think it was for Tini who mentioned that in one of our earlier episodes, that that maybe is why we are having such a hard time um, getting out of this Kali Yuga, getting out of this Ragnarok, connecting with the um, with the Schumann resonance, uh, which is a thing that has been mentioned in every episode so far, I think. Um, Chris Ken Cups he mentioned it first, and since then it's been mentioned in every episode. Funny how that how that comes back. And these were the first two hours of a Ragnarok episode four. If you want to hear the whole thing, if you want to know what we got into in the later hours, uh, you can do so by checking us out on Patreon and subscribing to one of our tiers. That is patreon.com forward slash greyhornpagans. Anything from the 5 euro tier and up will give you access to the full podcast. The VIP patron tier gives you access to the full podcast a week earlier before everyone else. Um, That is even before I release the first two hours or shortly after I am still working out how I want our Patreon to work. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for joining us once again for Ragnarok. Uh, Don't forget to give us that sweet, sweet five-star rating on the bigger podcasting platforms. Share it with everyone who you think might be interested or just share it with people, even if they're not interested. Just share it. You know, every little bit helps. Thank you all. And until next time, we're going to do two more episodes of Ragnarok. Then we'll finish up the series. So thank you all. Once again, patreon.com forward slash for the full podcast. Thank you.